Well, good morning, everybody. It's uh, good to be here this morning with you. Uh, it's true, it's been about seven years ago since you've seen me. Maybe you say, well, I don't recognize you. Well, the, I was um, still bald, but I didn't have all the facial hair. And so um, I just say it's a little bit of my personality leaking out through my face. But um, it is good to be here with you. And it's true, we've been with Mike and Susie uh, for the last few days, and they've been really showing us around. It's good to be back in Michigan. I grew up in Bear Lake, Michigan, over by Traverse City for a number of years, and it's good to be here. And then I did my high school years in, in Ohio, so had a bit of the both best worlds. And Mike was saying that, he, you know, it's good to have us here because they like my wife, Denise, and I have to say, we like Susie a little bit better, too. So, <laughs> And now you have to judge who got the better laugh out of that one. But it is, they've been uh, really dear to our heart. And when he said our hearts were knit together, he, he, he's not lying there. Uh, they've been great friends and great encouragement throughout the years of us being on the, on the ministry. Um, this morning, I did forget to do something. Uh, I wanted to put out there, and I want you to start praying about and thinking about a missions trip to Ireland 2021. I would like this church to come and help us start a new work in Tralee. God has been doing some amazing things in a very dark and hard country in Ireland. Uh, we were able to plant a church there in Mallow, Ireland, in County Cork. And since then, uh, last year, we have moved on, turning that work over to a teammate and are starting another uh, church in a place called Tralee. Not Tralee, but Tralee. And that's in Cary County on the very west coast. And so I, I've been talking to Mike, or rather Susie, and I've been telling Susie, like, Susie, you really got to bring the church out, you know. And she got on board with it, and so I know it's going to happen. Amen? You know, so, but uh, I really want uh, this church to come out and help us uh, evangelize the area and help us get our church started there, the, the Lord's Church, rather, there in Tralee. And I really believe that that would be a blessing. Uh, if you would consider that and to come out and to help us. We know that the, the future, we don't know what's going to happen, right? Amen. But we can still be found faithful. And, uh, and I really would be, that would be a blessing to us. Hopefully we'll have a, a group of people there by that time and that we're discipling. We are a, a discipleship, one-on-one, -on -one, reproducible discipleship-making church. And what that means is it's, it's not the Sunday morning, Sunday school hour. It's not the Wednesday. It's not the main service is what discipleship is. True discipleship is when you take and you invest in uh, God's word into another man's life or another woman's life. We do woman with woman and man with man for some obvious reasons I think we could all agree on. But um, we invest that into their life so that they can take the simple message of the gospel and an understanding of completely of what that is and take that into somebody else's life. And that's what we want to see happen. And we want that to spread through church planning uh, all across the Republic of Ireland. And uh, this morning, I had a few laughs, but I said, we are praying for 100 families to join our team. God has raised up two families there in Ireland to join our team. Uh, we call ourselves Team Ireland. I know, real original. I know what you're thinking. But, uh, you know, and then we had two families join us from America, so that's five of us. And I'm praying for 100 families to join Team Ireland. We want 100 families, and this is where I always say, would you consider selling all that you have and moving to Ireland for the gospel's sake? Would you consider about praying about that and joining our team here, being sent from this local church to be planners of new local churches that disciple, that will disciple, that will disciple. And, and we want to see God do something that he's, I have not seen in my lifetime. And we want to see the whole island come to know Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior. And so would you consider that this morning? Would you pray about that this morning? Maybe it's, it's just by taking one of our cards and hanging it on the fridge. And I always tell everybody, if you just pray for us one time, and this is what I mean by that. If you fervently pray for us this one time, we would count that to be a blessing. We really honestly would. If you would just pray for us one time, just get alone with the Lord and pray for our family. Pray that God will do something amazing in us and through us. 
and that many people will come to know Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior and be discipled and tell other people. That, that's the kind of prayer we're looking for. So if, if you take one, I've kind of spread them all out. You know, I would have put one on every seat, but he told me not to. Um, Susie said it was a good idea, so, you know. All right, I'm done with that. I love Mike. And so take one of our cards there around, or I can give you one. Um, you know, often when, uh, as I grew up in the, the pew, um, you would hear missionaries come back, and they would just be telling all what God is doing. And we, our heart rejoices, doesn't it, to hear that God is moving and stirring in people's lives, not only here in this local church, but abroad and around the world, really, of what God is doing. But on the flip side of that, there is always a flip side. There are some hard things that we go, all go through. And we all go through these, these hard times, and today's message is called Our Motivation. How do we get through these crazy times? Because I bet you if we held up our hand right now, we would all agree that we are in a crazy time right now, aren't we? I mean, we're just, it is just bonkers out there. It is just bonkers. But you know what? It truly has been bonkers always. The Bible tells us right from Genesis that this world is bonkers. Huh? I mean, it didn't take long before the first murder happened. Right out of the gate, uh, it happened. And so we know that this, this place is messed up and, and crazy. It seems to be out of control. And, and sometimes we can get to the point where we want to just throw up our hands. We want to just to say, what is the point of all this? What, why am I here? What is the big deal? That's a really a big question that I come across that people have that don't know the Lord. Why? It is, what's the point of all of it? Why are we here? You know, as missionaries, uh, this discouragement seems to be a, a real commonplace. In fact, um, I call the first two years on the field the roller coaster years. There are so many ups and downs and so many times of discouragement. It really is, is a quite a, a hilly ride that will make you sick, honestly. I mean, like never before, Satan is attacking the family. Satan is attacking the government. And the, Satan is attacking the local church. I believe like never, ever, ever before. And this is the time where we live. In fact, on the field, there's so many ups and downs it just will uh, make you nauseous. In fact, we were on uh, the field our first year or two, and we started noticing other people, they were coming to the field. You know, as you do deputation, you start to make friends out there. You know, you make other missionaries, you start to do missions conferences. There's several families we did three or four different missions conferences around the United States with. And you begin to become friends with a lot of different missionaries going to a lot of different fields. And, and we started to notice that they went through deputation and a lot of missionaries, they got to the field. And sometimes it took four years for a family to raise enough financial support to get to the field. And then within the first year, they they would, they would leave and come back to the United States. And there's various reasons for that, and I would never judge a missionary for doing that, but I often wondered and pondered myself, what was the motivation behind that? To, to do that and then to come back. In fact, if, you, if you're not serving in the ministry, if you're just doing life uh, in one way or another, really these ups and downs that we're just talking about are not e exclusive to ministry. Even though anybody that's ever done ministry, it's like a, oh boy moment, right? You know? But it, you might be a, a, a domestic engineer. You know what that is, right? A mother, you know? You, you know the truth, right? There's a lot of hilly moments in that job. So how do we not throw in the job as a mother? How do we not throw in the job as a father? How do we not throw in the job in the ministry or as a missionary, as a pastor, or a lay person? Where can we all find this motivation to persevere or to press on, to, to fight this good fight? Where can we find this motivation? I said this morning that if you're looking for this answer coming out of me, I am not a motivational speaker. That's not what my job is. I, I'm a preacher of the gospel, amen? Uh, if you're looking for me to give you this five-point plan of motivation, that's not going to happen here. I'm sorry. In fact, it, within myself, I don't, have, I don't have it. 
You know how I know that I don't have it? Because I've tried on my own strength so many times and I've failed and fallen flat on my face. I've made a mess of things. I said this morning that uh, I, I, when I put my foot in my mouth, boy, I put the whole thing all the way into the heel. You know, that's how I do it, you know? And, 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 and so if you're looking at me, in fact, I always say, if you're looking at the, the local church or if you're looking at a, a pastor, you're looking at the wrong thing. The only thing we have as Christians, and the only thing it is, is the, the Holy Word of God. And that's where we have to go. That's that well that springs up. We never can get enough. It, it, it quenches our thirst. It, it's all we need is right here. Because every man, you know, if, if you come here for a personality, and well, there's some good ones, but sooner or later we offend you. We'll say something, we'll give our opinion on something, and you won't agree with it, and you'll be out the door. But if you come here for this, boy, you're in for a treat. So this morning, if you would, just turn to the book of Hebrews chapter 12. And we're going to go to this well, and we're going to get some bread, if you're a beggar like me, and we're going to learn, uh, we're going to get some motivation here this morning, uh, not just to go through today, but we're going to go through and the rest of our life, and we're going to know how it is to thrive. We're, that's what I want to come away with. When we leave here today, I want you to know how to thrive in this life, because I've come through some dark areas. On the mission field, it, I often say it's much like um, the front lines. The, the local church here back in the States, I would say this would be base camp. You know, but when you go to the front lines, you get bullets whizzing by your head every day, all day long. And a lot of soldiers, if they spend too much time out there, if they get what is called the, I believe it's called the thousand yard stare. And you see that in World War II a lot where the guys would come back and they're just, they're just not there, man. They're just looking off. You gotta come back to base camp. You gotta get renewed. And every once in a while, you do get a, a mortar round into base camp. But on the front lines, what do we need to thrive and to survive? What should our motivation be? And we find that here in Hebrews chapter 12. And um, we're gonna read verses one through four. Read along with me here. Wherefore, seeing we also are accomplished about with so great a cloud of witness, let us lay aside every weight and the sin that which so doth easily beset us, and let us run with patience this race that is set before us, looking unto Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despised the shame, and is set down at the right hand of the throne of God. Verse 3. For consider him that endured such contradiction of sinners against himself, lest ye be weary and faint in your minds. Ye have not yet resisted unto blood, striving against sin. Let's bow our heads here this morning. Dear Heavenly Father, Lord, I don't dare come and preach your word without asking for your guidance, without the filling of the Holy Spirit, Lord, without asking that may I speak clearly with understanding because you're deserving of all of it, Lord. May my personality not get in the way of your message here this morning. God, I pray that we'll be touched from your word, and God, that we will leave here a changed people. God, may we seek that every time we come in and gather together, that we are changed by your word so that we may be better servants of you when we leave here. And I pray this in your precious name, the name of the, our Lord, the Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. You know, I mentioned this morning, I'm a, I'm a bit of a different guy. I get that way. God's given me some signs. It's mostly from donuts, amen. But, um, I, you know, I, I know that I don't fit into all these little boxes sometimes. I, sometimes I, I look like more like I should be at the, the Harley uh, store than up at the pulpit. I get that. I understand that. But you know what? He's got a sense of humor, amen. I mean, that's just, you know, that's just how it is. And that's what he's called me to do. And I want to do it well for his name. But I also wonder different things. When I read the Bible, I don't know if you read it like me, but I put myself in the Bible, okay? Well, several times when I've taken communion, I've gone to the foot of the cross. I've been at Golgotha. I've been there personally, not literally. You guys understand, right? I, I, I don't have to explain myself here, do I? Maybe somebody in the back, I don't know. But 
I, I, when, when Jesus does a miracle, one of my favorite miracles that I'm there is when he, he heals the arm, the withered arm, and it becomes strong again. And I, I'm picturing myself there, and I'm just like, what? No way, Jesus. You, what, what? I mean, did you guys see that? I see myself there. And so when I read Scripture, that's how I read Scripture. I'm in Scripture, okay? Not in this weird way. Don't, don't get weirded on me. But that's how I am. And so when I come to this section of Scripture, I, I start to wonder different things. And I, I wonder if the Apostle Paul or the Apostles, if they were still around, if they would have the sports package on TV. I, I wonder that. Is that a weird thing to wonder? You know, but I did. I wondered it. I wonder, I wonder if they were still around. Would they have, uh, would they have the sports package on TV? Because this, this entire New Testament from beginning to end, it seems to run this idea of athletics all the way through it, right? And here we see in verse 1, it says, let us run with patience the race that is set before us. Now, if I can, because I have this maybe overactive imagination, you know, um, what do they call it with the, the imagination station, right? Uh, and uh, maybe we could put on our imagination caps this morning. I can draw you this picture, all right? Imagine that you're at the beginning of this start line, and uh, there's just a bunch of people there. It's a very uh, chaotic scene. You just, you're, you're there, you're like at, a, at this beginning of this race, and you just notice that there's so many different people. I mean, there's older people there, there's younger people there, there's, there's healthy people, there's not healthy. I mean, it's just a chaotic scene. And, and you notice that there are some people that are already running this race. They look like they just started running. And you're kind of like, hmm, that's interesting. And you look further down the, the track and you notice that, man, there looks like people have been running this race a long time. And, and some of them look exhausted. They're just worn out. They're tired. And then you look at and you look and you see that there's people at the start line and they look like they're professionals. They look like they have, they got their feet down in the blocks. You know what I'm talking about? Have you ever watched the Olympics? I love watching the Olympics, man. I can't get enough. I love it. And, and they're down, they're, they've got their feet in the blocks, you know, and they're in the sprint stance. And, and I said this morning, if I could get down there and not split my coat, I'd show you. You know, but they're down there on their, their fingertips and they're waiting for that gun to go off and they're just like a rocket, whew, gone. And then, and then there's a lot of people like us, right? <laughs> they're at the beginning line and they got their hand over their knee like we used to do in the schoolyard, you know, and they're, they're ready, they're rocking back and forth and they're ready to start racing. And then you look over a little bit later or uh, over to the right and you see there's other people with their, their hand over their, their eyes kind of like you are and they're looking and they look really confused and they look, they're like, is this a race? I didn't know this was a race. Am I in a race? What's going on here? They're all confused. They're baffled by the whole uh, situation. And see, this is just like many of us. See, many of us profess Christ as our savior and we have entered into a race, but for many of us, we have yet to move forward. Some of us are, see the sure distance of this race. Others see the difficulty of the course with all its ups and downs. And we see the people that are comp competing in the race, and we're like, we don't want that. And still others have been running for some time now and are just exhausted. But all of them, and truly, really, all of us here this morning, we need motivation. See, the nature of our motivation determines the quality of our race. I want to say that again to you this morning here. I want you to pay attention to this. The, the nature of our motivation determines the quality of our race. Let's go to verse 1. It says, Wherefore, seeing we also are compassed about with so great a cloud of witnesses, let us lay aside every weight and the sin that which does so easily beset us, and let us run with patience the race that is set before us. Now, it's important here that we take a, a slight pause, maybe a little detour, you know? I was always taught that if you go down a rabbit trail, as long as you come out with rabbit stew, you're all right, 
You know what I mean? So let's, let's try to do that this morning. We have to kind of go back to chapter 11. Now, we all know what chapter 11 is, right? Many of us call it the Hall of Fame chapter or the Hall of Faith chapter. That's where you will see all these people, these, these spiritual athletes, if you will, that have come before us, uh, uh, men and women uh, that are like Abel and Enoch and Noah and Abraham and, and Sarah and Isaac and Jacob and Joseph and, and Moses and Rahab and Gideon and Barak and Samson and Japheth and David and Samuel. I mean, these people have been the object of so many messages. I am sure that if you've been in this church long enough, you've heard a message either by one of those or all of them, and rightly so, right? I mean, these are some, some amazing people. The Bible says these are ordinary but special people. They're people like me and you. And if we go to chapter 11 and we look at verse 33, Let's do that real quick here, and we're going to read down, and we're going to read about some of these ordinary but special people, people like me and you. And are you ready for this? Let's start in verse 33. It says, who through faith, that's always a good underliner, who through faith subdued kingdoms, wrought righteousness, obtained promises, stopped the mouth of lions, quenched the violence of fire, escaped the edge of the sword, out of weakness were made strong. Wax valiant in fight, turn the flight, turn to flight the armies of the aliens. Women receive their dead raised to life again. Now, if I was to stop there, who would want to be part of that club? Now that's pretty cool, right? I mean, come on. That would be that would kind of be like this prosperity Christianity that's going around this, the, the United States and around the world right now. God never promises that. In fact, He gives us this right here. He keeps going. You ready? And others were tortured, not accepting deliverance, that they may obtain a better resurrection. And others had trials of cruel mockings and scourgings, yea, moreover of bonds and imprisonment. They were stoned, they were, they were sawn asunder, they were tempted, were slain with the sword. They wandered about in sheepskin and goatskin, being desolate, afflicted, and tormented, of whom the world was not worthy. They wandered in deserts and in mountains and in dens and in caves of the earth. And all, and these all, having obtained a good report, through faith received not the promise. I mean, can we agree that these are just amazing people? Can you agree with me on that? I mean, these are some special people. But I, I want to draw your attention to this. Here's the thing. There's nothing special about them. There is nothing special about them. What made them special was not their ability, but what God did in them and through them. That's what made them special. In other words, I want you to get this. I'm going to bring this back so you can get this picture. In other, the Hebrew writer is talking to the Hebrew people here, the, the Jews, and he's saying, hey, hey guys, look at your heritage Look at all these people, these men and women over the past 5,000 years that God has used. This is this great cloud of witnesses that, that you know of. They can inspire you. They can motivate you. They can encourage you to run. Let me, let me share this story. Maybe you're not getting it yet, all right? I was, and when I was in high school, um, I played a football and football season, I went right into wrestling season, and, and I was a wrestler. And then wrestling season, I went right into track and field season, and I threw the shot put and, and discus. In fact, when I wasn't throwing the shot put and discus, I even ran what was called the fat man's relay. And, and I got the same reaction. You, you don't know what the fat man's relay is, right? So the fat man's relay is where they allow all the big bone fellers, you know what I mean? At the end of the track to run to see if there was ever a tie, they would find out who, who would win. And it was kind of, or maybe just kind of laugh a little bit, you know. But th that's what we did, you know. And I don't know why they ever allowed us to run. I mean, me personally, I'm so slow that they used a calendar to measure my 40-yard dash. I mean, it's just pathetic. But because I chose to compete and to be this athlete... It meant I had to train like an athlete. Do you get the picture here? 
I had to train like an athlete, and because I had to train like an athlete, meant I had to spend a considerable amount of time in the weight room, okay, to be a good athlete. And I wanted to be a good athlete. And, and in the weight room at my high school, it was a rather large school, I think I had nearly 700 people in my graduating class, and in the weight room, it was a big room like this, and at the top of the weight room, they had all these pictures, I mean, it was from the 30, black and white uh, pictures of, of men, all the way around that played football that had accomplished some great things. And in that list, they would, they would put their, their accomplishments underneath their picture, and it would say, like, all federal league, all county, all Ohio, and it would put their, their position, and it was an amazing thing. And it literally stared me in the face every time I went in there. You couldn't miss it. And it was knowing and seeing them that gave me motivation. See, they were my cloud of witnesses. They weren't watching me play football, but I knew if they could do it, I could do it. And it motivated, it encouraged me to do my best, to play my hardest, to compete to the fullest. See, this cloud of witnesses the Bible is talking about in this verse uh, um, are not watching us. Rather, they are bearing witness to us that God can see us through whatever situation we find ourselves in. Whatever situation you find yourself in, God can see you through it. And it's testament by these men and these women that God is using in an amazing way. And so that encourages us. We are to look at the winners the heroes of our faith. And that should encourage us to get in the game. Or if you're already in the game, if you're running this race, it should encourage you to persevere, to keep pushing forward. I mean, our Christian motto, honestly, should be the motto of never give in, never give up. It should be next to go ye into all the world. It should be go into all the world, never give in, never give up. Because he is within us. If you're a born-again Christian, he dwells within you. And if he overcame, so can you. And these people are a testament to that. Athlete to bookworm, God can use us if we just yield ourselves to him. In verse 1 it says, let us lay aside every weight. Let us lay aside every weight and sin which does easily beset us. And let us run with patience the race that is set before us. You know, because I was in this weight room, a few things happened. I became strong. My muscles grew stronger. My bones became denser. I came, became a little more agile and just a little bit more quicker. In fact, the weight room was a tremendous betterment to my teammates and me. But here's the thing. What I did not dare do was to take this good thing into the game with me. Okay, and, and, and pay attention with me. It, could you imagine if I would try to play football with a 200-pound barbell in my hand? Could you imagine that? I mean, trying to make a tackle or run down the field with this huge weight, or even wrestle or throw the shot put in discus. I might do it, but it wouldn't end very well, would it? In fact, there might be times where it wouldn't end very well at all. And, and here we have this picture. See, in our life, too much weight taxes our endurance. It taxes the endurance of the individual. And so this comes naturally, we come to this point, well, well, pastor, what are these weights that we need to get rid of? What is the Bible really talking about? And see, I think a lot of times from the pulpit, we do a disservice a little bit, and we, we actually list these things. Well, if you do this, you'll make this recipe, and you'll come out with soup. It's not always that cut and dry. But I'm going I'm to tell you nonetheless. You ready for it? You want to get rid of the weight in your life so that you can excel in the game? Here it is. Everything that can hinder your progress. That's the sad truth of it. They might even be good things in our eyes or the eyes of others. You must do away with all the impediments in your life so that you can serve the Lord fully. 
You know, I heard a, a saying one time, and I hope that this kind of clears it up for you, that winning athletes do not choose between the good and bad. Quite often, I do that. I choose between the good and bad. Do you do that? A little bit? You out there? Wake? We choose between the good and bad, don't we? But a winning athlete, they choose between the better and the best. Wow, isn't that a different way to think of life? Isn't that a different way to serve the Lord? And let, me, let me share another story with you. When God was working in my heart to come into missions, um, he brought me to a few choices that I had to make. I, I call them the Damascus Road. You know, like, <laughs> he does it to us all. Some of us are good at recognizing it, others are not. Paul, he sees Jesus, right? Now he's got a decision. Jesus tells him what to do. That doesn't mean he has to do it, right? Paul's just a dude, you know? He's just a guy. He's standing there, and I'm, and I'm thinking of this because I'm there. I'm like watching Paul. He's over there. I can see Paul. He's blind, and he's, you know, he's nervous. And I see Paul think about this. Damascus is that way. Jerusalem is that way. I know people in Jerusalem. I know physicians in Jerusalem. I know family in Jerusalem. What do I do? Because God had to bring them to this point. And God had to bring us to this point as well. See, at the time, I lived in the best country in the world, America, right? I had family all around me. I have, and when we get together at dinner, there's 30 of us. We lived in a wonderful community, loved my community. I had a great job. I was a pipe fitter plumber in a local union. I ran million dollar projects. I had an absolutely beautiful house in the country. I mean, this place I wanted to die in. It was so beautiful. I could see marrying my kids in the, 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 the garden or the, what do you call it, the yard. <laughs> you know, and uh, I, I just pictured that. But God brought me to this decision. Was I going to put off these good things to follow his better things? And so here we go. You ready for it? My brothers and sisters, are you willing to put off some good things? And the Bible says, and your known sin, to follow the Lord, to get into the game. I had a wrestling coach as well, and he was a great guy. He taught me a lot of things when I, when I was a young man. He taught me how to be tough. And one of the things he really taught me uh, besides John Wayne, he taught me how to be tough too, you know. I love a good John Wayne movie, you know. And uh, um, he, he taught me how to set priorities. And this guy, his name was Dan Michaels. I'll, I'll never forget him. He, he would hand out, at the beginning of every season, he'd hand out a three-by-five card. And on that card, he would make us list our yearly or our, our, our weekly goal, our monthly goal, and our yearly goal for the season. But that's it. He didn't stop there. He would give us tape, and he made us tape it into our locker so that every time we opened up our locker, we saw these goals. And so here we go. You ready for this? Knowing that we have this great cloud of witnesses, people like me and you that have, uh, have come before us that God has used in this amazing way, and that we, we need to get all these obstacles out of our way that is going to drag us down or to hinder us in the service of the Lord, those things should encourage us, amen? But our motivation is and always should be the Lord Jesus Christ. The Lord gives us our motivation or our focal point as Christians. Look at verse 2. It says, looking unto Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despised the shame, and is set down at right hand of the throne of God. 
You know, a, a, a focal point is, is so crucial. And the younger you are, the more you know this. And the older you are, the, the less I think you're likely to remember that a focal point is so crucial. I mean, if you drive a car without a focal point, you'll, you'll end up causing some problems. And some of you will have a light bulb turned on. And some of you be like, yeah, that's why you're a terrible driver right here. But when you drive a car, you don't look at the road in front of you. Bad idea. You don't even look at the car in front of you. Bad focal point. What you do is you look through the windscreen or the windshield of the car in front of you at the car in front of them. And so when they put on their brakes, you can see almost before the car in front of you and you know what's happening because you're focusing on what's before you. It's a different way, isn't it? And it saved me a lot of accidents because sometimes that car in front of you isn't paying attention and you, they slam on their brakes. And if you do this, you have a way. We also know, like when we watch little kids, I have a lot of nieces. And man, they're learning how to walk and, and they're all over the place. And, and, and they have to have a focal point when they're walking forward because they're just all over the place. But if they focus on it, they can get there. But what happens? Have you ever watched a little kid? They, they focus and then they start to hear something else and all of a sudden they go over to the right. Or they hear something over here and they go over there and they never stay focused. In fact, sometimes they'll get excited and they'll start looking behind them, and then what happens? They run into something, they get hurt, they fall down, they start to cry, right? And if they would have just stayed focused, they could have achieved what they set out to do. Do you know what miracle that I really love in the Bible that my mind goes back to all the time? It's in chapter Matthew chapter 14. <laughs> if you don't have that memorized, it's okay. But in Matthew chapter 14, that's where Peter walks on water. Okay? I mean, that's pretty cool. Remember, we're there. We're in the Bible, right? We're in the boat, and we're watching this happen. It's like, what is Peter doing? What? What? Right? I mean, come on. Don't act like a funny-duddy. You see something like that, you're just like, what is going on here? You're looking for strings. You're looking, what, you know, what is going on here? But nonetheless, Peter gets out of the boat. And I love Peter because he's this blue-collar working man. I mean, I was a plumber, so I kind of feel like, you know, me and Peter on that kind of same, cut from the same cloth, if you will. Um, you know, and, and when you do something, I always wondered if Peter, as he was a fisherman, he imagined, you know, I wish I could walk on water. I wish I could. I, if I was Peter, I would think that he was thinking that. Because when I was a pipe fitter, and I would cut a lot of pipe with hacksaw. I mean, when you cut enough pipe with hacksaw, you're dreaming about a lightsaber. You're just like, I wish I had something to do. Vroom, 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 vroom. And you make your job so much easier, right? Peter, working man, he's, I'm sure he was like, man, I wish I could just walk over here on the water, throw my net. I don't have to row my boat over there. Time I get over there, the fish are gone. I got to row my boat over here. And so I'd like to think he did. And so if we honestly are real with ourselves and we, we think how amazing this miracle is, it'd be like a pilot flapping his arms and achieving flight. That's how amazing that this is. Okay, so Peter is walking on water. And I'd like to think he gets back and he's like, hey guys, come over here. Guess who walked on water? This guy did. Yeah, that's right. I got to walk on water. You guys didn't, but I did. We don't know that, right? But what we do know is what Peter did. What did he do? He, he got distracted. He took his eyes off the Lord. And, and I'm not saying it wasn't scary. I mean, again, this is a fisherman. His livelihood is being on the water. And I'm sure that the waves were tremendously big and foamy in whatever waves are. I'm not a fisherman. But I can imagine what would make me scared as a plumber. <laughs> it would have to be something dangerous. And I'm sure that the lightning was cracking and splitting and the thunder was loud. And, and Peter started looking at those things. And he started looking horizontally. And he started looking over there and this and that. And he began to do what? sink so do we because we're just a Peter and we take our eyes off Jesus 
and we begin to sink in our life. And we start to have issues. And we start to run into problems. And we don't understand why. Because we've lost our vision. We lost our vision. I love this, this word here. If you go back into verse 2, it says, looking unto Jesus. We're to have our eyes firmly fixed on Jesus. But this word here, looking, is, is um, Greek word here is aphore. And it only occurs here. And it means this. Are you ready for this? Because this gets exciting. You ready to be excited? I'm, 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 I love to be excited by God's word. You ready? All right, let's get excited together. I'm sure I'm going to hear some amens after this one. All right? The word here for looking unto Jesus, this word looking, aphore, it says, it means looking away from all else and looking at that which fills the heart. Oh, good job, guys. That's cool, isn't it? That is cool. How many of us can say that here this morning? It's a messed up world. There's a lot of scary things out there. The world has always been that way. Are we looking at that which fills our heart? That's powerful. That's the motivation we need because it is hard out there. Are we looking at Jesus Christ, the author and finisher of our faith? He knows how to run this race and no one ran it better than him. Are we looking at, at Jesus' passion for, it says here, for who the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despised the shame. Jesus Christ kept focus on the Father's will and not his. It wasn't easy. The Bible tells us that Jesus had a tough time, but he kept focused on the Father's will and not his own. We're to see Jesus' position here. It says, for he is, is set down at the right hand of the throne of God. And do we see Jesus high and lifted up, cheering on those who enter this race and, and follow his lead? Our eyes are to be fixed on the Lord Jesus Christ, not on a man, not on an institution. We must ask ourselves, what are we looking at that fills our heart? Or are we like these children that I mentioned to you? Are you trying to run forward yet looking back? If it's anything else, I hate to tell you this morning, but discouragement will creep in. And before you know it, we may end up looking at all our circumstances instead of Jesus Christ. I'm going to go on real quick. I'm going to wrap up here. I know I'm, I'm running a little over, but I want to get you this last point. I wasn't able to give it this morning. Look at verse 3 here. It says, For consider him that endures such contradiction of sinners against himself, lest ye be weary and faint in your minds. See, not only are we to keep our eyes on him, but we're to consider him. We're to, to press on keeping our eyes on the Lord Jesus, but yet the gospel in our hearts, in our mind. See, the gospel is this death, burial, and resurrection of our Lord Jesus Christ. You know, the gospel is, is what helped me in my greatest times of need and distress in this life. And the greatest time of my life of distress, I want to tell you, is when I was without the Lord Jesus Christ. Nothing compares to that. Nothing that I've gone through since then has compared to that one moment. And it was the gospel that saved a sinner such as me. It was that knowing that Jesus is, is who he says he is. He's the very son of God, that he's 100% man and 100% God, that he died and shed his perfect blood on Calvary to redeem us back to himself through faith and uh, not of works, and that he is not dead, but he has defeated death itself, rising from the grave three days later and alive, alive he is sitting at the right hand of God the Father, waiting to come back. I don't know about you, brothers and sisters, what you use to get through your tough times, because we all have them. But I know when I consider the gospel of our Lord Jesus Christ, whatever I'm going through, whatever hardship it is, and, and there's some bad ones. When I put it against the gospel, it fades away. It fades away. All my troubles, all my tough situations, they don't seem like very much when I compare them to Calvary. 
I picture my Lord and my Savior being whipped and being mocked and hanging upon that old rugged cross, being tortured and spit upon and being denied. All with me in his mind. Because he knew that it was all going to be worth it. Jesus has the right motivation. He had the will of the Father in his mind, not his own. See, we as Christians have no better motivation than the gospel of our Lord Jesus Christ. We have no better motivation than that. Again, I'm not saying what you're going through is not a big deal. But have you compared it to the gospel? We have all issues. We, I know that. The things we deal with are, I find, to be really kind of petty compared to what our Lord faced. If he can endure, if he can win, we can as win as well. For he was with those that came before us, this cloud of witnesses. And if you're born again, then he dwells within you. The Bible says here, we are more than conquerors. But here's the question, my brothers and sisters, is what have we conquered lately? Where have we poured ourselves out at the foot of the cross and been overcomers? Because he dwells within us, we know that, but... Have we put it into the action? What have we overcome? We're tempted to give in. We only need to think of the gospel and we're motivated again. When we're at our lowest point and depressed, we only have to ponder the gospel and we're, we're filled full of joy and hope. See, the gospel not only shows us the great length that Jesus, our Lord, suffered to redeem us back to himself, it not only shows us that he's this 100% man and 100% God, but it gives all those who call upon him by grace through faith a personal, real, living relationship with him. What else do we need to get through life than Jesus? I know not. I know not. You know, when I, when I used to compete, whether it be football, wrestling, or, or track, I did one thing when I entered into the ring of competition. I would look up in the stands every time. And I would look to see if my family was there. Were they watching? Were they supportive? Did they want to see me succeed? You know, I always felt when I was competing that I felt I performed better when I knew they were, were there watching and cheering me on. What a difference it makes in our lives to know that we have someone greater eagerly watching us to, to see us win for his honor and for his glory. And the Bible says that he will never leave thee nor forsake thee. It, does that not encourage us? Does that not motivate us to get into the game, to push on, to fight the good fight, to do the impossible? Because we know that God has used ordinary people such as us to do impossible things. And we can be the same if we just yield ourselves to does not encourage you to go into the schools, young men, to go into the workplaces and tell people about Jesus. Does that not encourage you to know that Jesus dwells within us in our heart and our life. Oh man, it does me. And I need it. I need that encouragement. I need to know that he will never leave me nor forsake me. And if there was ever an incentive to run and to live this victorious Christian life, to fight the good fight, it's this vertical perspective that he above all else is worthy. There's no one else in this earth that is more worthy than our Lord and Savior, if you can say that honestly. He is the most worthy. And here we go, full circle. Why is he worthy? The gospel. The gospel. Without the gospel, he's just some dude. He's some good guy, good morals, good teacher, good miracle worker. The gospel that we hold so dear. And so we pick up our cross and we follow him. Remember, we all need this motivation. No matter what, maybe you've had it and you lost it. We need to get it again. And there's these three things that we need to do is this. Remember, like a race, there is a start and finish line. Amen? We don't run it forever. There is a start and finish line. When we accept Christ is when we're born again in the start of this Christian race or walk. Remember your heritage. All those who were special, yet there was nothing special about them. 
that God used for, for, he used them for his honor and his glory, and he can do the same with us. Number three, remember to check your eyes and consider the Lord. Keep your eyes on the Lord and not on life's problems. Don't look horizontally. Don't be a horizontal people. Be a vertical per people. And we're to consider the gospel because it will bring you joy, even in your darkest times. I mean, you, you might have got bad news that you have cancer. I, I have no idea. Brain tumor. I mean, that's a, that is, I can think of. We don't get persecuted too much in this. I don't, anybody know anybody that's got their head chopped off for Jesus? I mean, personally, I don't. You know, I've heard, but I don't know anybody personally. And I, that's a pretty bad thing. But when I start to think of the gospel, man, I got a brain tumor. I think of the gospel, and it brings me joy because I know that this life is the worst that we as Christians are ever going to have to face. It's the worst. And because of the gospel, I get to spend every day after he calls me home with him forever and ever, and I become joyous again. Oh, I'm sad, but it fills my heart full of joy. Because of the gospel, we have heaven to look forward to. Isn't that a great joy? Are you ready for the flip side? This is the best some people are ever going to get, right? Are you motivated to tell them about Jesus? I hope so. See, the nature of our motivation determines the quality of our race. Let's bow our heads this morning. Lord, I thank you for your word. God, I, I pray that we hold dear to it this morning. God, I pray that we're leave here motivated, stirred by your Holy Spirit, that we won't just sit back on the couch or sit in the pews, but that we'll be an athlete for you. God, I pray that this morning that we'll leave here to change people. May we be effective for you, whatever race you call us. May we be influencers or in our inner circles, Lord. May we tell people in our outer circles about you and the gospel. And it's in your precious name I pray. Amen. Let's stand together and we'll sing.